Chip asked me this morning if it was going to be a rerun so that he knew whether or not he could just take a nap. Um, he was right. He was, yeah. Well, in a way, it is a rerun because you probably heard stuff that I'm going to say before this morning. So if anybody wants to just sack out, you go right ahead. We'll get you a pillow and a blanket and have the stewardess just uh, tuck you in there. Just. Yes, please, raise your hands. <laughs> raise your hands so you can be singled out as the one sleeping through the service. Please do that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, just don't fall out of any windows because, like I said, I'm not Paul. You're not going to get revived. So, Go to John chapter 4. We're going to look at change this morning. John chapter 4, I've, I've been through this chapter many times, I've, I've used this as lessons many times, um, it's a really good chapter, it's one that always speaks to me, and looking through it again, I want to talk about change and I want to maybe see what you think about change here. And you know, Jesus always seems to cause controversy or stir things up because there's when when he shows up you have to make a decision back then there's there's pharisees there's sadducees there's all these people on one side there's the others on the other side the poor the ones that like uh, was said earlier like like you said the sinners that he goes to eat with right immediately the lines are being drawn and in John chapter 4 you get introduced to a little bit of a line here because in the very first verse it says that the Lord knew, or that when therefore the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he leaves Judea there and he departs again into Galilee and he had to pass through Samaria. And you guys, I probably don't have to tell you the, the story about the Samaritans you know, the, and the animosity between Samaritans and Jews. There's a lot of animosity there because we're not the same, even though we have a similar background here, but we're not the same. We worship here, you worship there, we have this, you have that. We don't like each other. That really hasn't changed much over the years either, has it? Human people, human people, that's redundant, isn't it? People will always find a reason to not like somebody else. Even if you're in the same country and you've got almost the same color of skin. You don't have to have dark skin and light skin to hate each other. It can be the dialect. And you sound like you're a lower class than me. You just sound like it. People will always find a reason to, to hate and to, to put each other into classes here. And I, and I like the fact that Jesus goes through Samaria because he didn't necessarily have to. He really decided to. You could have gone around Samaria, or around and, and, and avoided Samaria, but you went through Samaria, and he went through Samaria for a reason, because Samaria and some people in there needed change. Jesus knew everybody needed change. These people need change, too. I want you to read with me verses 1 through 9, and then we're going to talk about the first part of change. Uh, let's, let's skip first two verses, since I already read that, and I'll start in 3. He left Judea, departed again into Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, 
near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman therefore said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. First thing I want to talk about change is that change, at least in my life and maybe in yours, often comes or can come and often comes unexpectedly. It's not always planned change, but it happens unexpectedly. And for this woman, change is about to happen unexpectedly. She doesn't even expect to, to have Jesus talk to her because she's a woman, she's a Samaritan, he's a Jew, and he's a man. There's, there's a lot of things wrong in this scenario, according to the custom and the, and the, and the day, uh, day of that time there. A lot of things wrong. But she's not the only one that had change come to her unexpectedly. The disciples did too, I think. They're called. They don't know exactly what they're getting into. And the change that happens to them is happening unexpectedly. I, they didn't expect everything there. Paul himself, too, I think. Change came unexpectedly. On that road, he wasn't expecting that to happen on the road. The road to Damascus changed him entirely. But when I think about it, too, you go back to the first chapter of John and the whole world. When Jesus comes, he comes into a world that doesn't even accept him. He comes to his own and his own don't accept him. So the change that's going to happen to us, to them, to us now, it's all unexpected. All unexpected. And that's the first thing I see there in, in that, that beginning of this chapter. There's going to be change, but change is going to come unexpectedly. And for me in my life, I see a lot of change that happens unexpectedly. You don't think you're going to be doing this when you get up that morning. You don't think you're going to encounter this that day. You didn't plan for any of that, and yet it happens and there's going to be change coming here. She's surprised to see him. She's surprised that he even asks her for water here. But whose plans are, are being worked out here? God's plans. Jesus' plans. These plans are being worked out. That's another thing I see in this chapter is she's got a plan for her day. She's going to go get water. She's going at a specific time probably because of some stigma around her socially. And so she's going to go at a certain time, get water. And this is all going to change for her today. That happens to me too. I've got my plans for the day. I'm going to my well for the day. And then all of a sudden somebody meets me on the way to that well. And my life is, is going to be changed here. I might expect Jesus to guide me in a certain direction. And yet he doesn't. He takes me in a whole other direction. Because I'm expecting this. But he says, no, that's not what I need for you right now. That's not where you need to be. Let me guide you to the right spot. He does know best. I think I know best most of the time, but he knows best. And she's probably thinking the same thing. What in the world are you doing? You should have backed off. I, I, we shouldn't be having this interaction. Why are you asking me for a drink? Totally, totally unexpected. So in the next section of verses, there, nine, uh, 10 through 15, Want to see another part of change. If it's going to happen unexpectedly here for this woman, 10 through 15 continues the story of her change. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, 
Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. I see the next part of change here, if it's going to happen unexpectedly, change also can happen. And, and will probably happen for us when Jesus addresses certain questions that we didn't even know we needed to ask. And he does that for her, doesn't he? Jesus addresses a question that she didn't even know to ask. She's talking about regular water here. She's very focused on the well. And, and okay, yeah, I get it. You're focused on the well. And she doesn't even know what to ask for. But Jesus reveals something to her that she didn't even know she needed. That's, it's you and me. When we come to Jesus with a question and we say, why is this happening? And he reveals to us the question that we really should be asking. When he reveals to us what we really should be asking, draws it out. He says, instead of asking me that question, maybe you should ask, where is your heart, Robert? Where is your heart right now? Who are you relying on more right now, yourself or me? Let me direct you to the right question to ask, because if, you, you're cha- if change is going to happen, then I have to ask the right questions. She had to ask the right questions, and she starts off on one plane, and Jesus directs her to another plane. She starts off with the physical, and he says, oh, there's even better water than this. That bubbling water there, that, that literally means bubbling water there in verse 14. It's not that stagnant well water. It's not something just lying there. This is bubbling water that is going to spring up. You didn't even know you needed it, and now you want to ask for it because I'm leading you down this path. So change with Jesus comes for me unexpectedly, but it also comes when Jesus directs me to ask the right questions of myself. Why am I here? Why am I feeling this way? Well, where's my heart? Who am I relying on? Who am I allowing to guide my steps? Is it me or is it Jesus? She's being changed here. Verses 16 through 19 continue that change from unexpected to the right questions. In verse 16, and he said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Jesus goes from an unexpected encounter and guiding her to the right questions to now revealing her to herself. She sees herself more clearly now. That's when change can happen, when Jesus reveals me to me. Because a lot of times I can hide me inside me. I can lie to myself. I can hide what I'm truly feeling and not really examine my real thoughts. But Jesus says, I want you to really see you. So go call your husband. Which makes her say, I have no husband. Which makes Jesus say, yeah, you're right. And let me tell you where you are now. 
So she's seeing herself in a whole new light. She's asking the right questions. She's seeing herself in a whole new light. Jesus is literally doing to her what, she, what he asked her to do for him. He asked her for a drink, which means I want you to draw some water out of that well for me. And now Jesus is sitting there conversing with her and drawing out of her the real her. And drawing out of her the real need for him that she didn't see when she walked up there trying to draw real water out of the well. And now Jesus is drawing out of her what she needs to understand. What I like about that section is that change happening and him revealing me to, to me or you to you. But at the same time, he's patient with me. He doesn't say, you are just a sinner. What does he say? He says, you, 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 you've said well. The man you have is not your husband. You've had five. He reveals her to her, but he's not harsh. He's gentle. I think he's patient. He's drawing out the real her. Because you've got to get to the real you before you can change. You've got to get to the real heart of the issue before you can change. So when, he, when, he's, when he's drawing her out, when he's revealing us to ourselves, I like the fact that Jesus, that God is patient with me. Has he been patient with you? I'm sure there's things that you probably either are working on still or have worked on for years, struggled with, and he's drawing you out, and he's patient with you, and he's working with you, and he's willing to work with us as long as we're willing to work with him. He'll be patient with us as long as we're working with him. When we stop working with him, that's another story. But he's willing to sit there and work and draw out who we really are and show you who you really are. The next section there, 20 through 26, change again starts to happen here. He says, or she says, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. That sounds awfully accusatory, doesn't it? You people. You say. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. You worship that which you do not know. We worship that which we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Uh, this, this is a little similar to the other point, but when Jesus is, is doing the previous work of revealing her to herself, it leads to this section where Jesus is now saying, okay, now let's get to the heart of the issue. Let's, now that you've, you've been re- yourself has been revealed here, let's get to the very heart of the matter. He knows things that he couldn't know by any natural means. And she knows that, which is why she says, I perceive you are a prophet. There's something special here. You're special. She still doesn't see him as the Messiah, but there's something special. Until you get down there to the end of the verse, and Jesus says, I am that one that you're looking for. Let me get you to the heart of the issue. What the heart of the issue is, is Jesus himself. 
That's the heart of the issue is I am the one you've been looking for. It's not about you worshiping here or me worshiping here. It's about me. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about the Messiah. It doesn't rely on race relations. It doesn't rely on anything else other than Jesus Christ himself. That's the heart of the issue. And things can only get fixed when we get to the heart of the issue. When we stop dealing with the little things around it, the presenting problems, and get to the real issue, that's when things get fixed. That's why Jesus had to draw her out and say, call your husband. Because the real issue is, you don't have me in your life. You need me in your life. You need me to set you free. You need me to take care of that sin problem. What I like about this, this section, too, here is, for my money, I know that in John, John is famous for the I am's, right? The I am statements. Mm-hmm. I, I am of the opinion that this is really the first I am statement in verse 26. Because the, the construction of that, that sentence is not the way it is in English. It literally says in the Greek, I that am talking to you, I am. So he's telling her, I am, in that sentence. It's similar to 635. It's the exact same construction as in 635 when Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. I am. He is. And this is not titled because the other ones are, I'm the bread of life. I'm the door. I'm the, I'm the light of the world. You know, all of those. This one, I don't know what you'd title it. But this is for me is an I am of change here. You, you want to get to the heart of the issue? You look to the I am. You want to know who you really are? You look to the I am. You want to have that living water bubbling up out of you? You look to the I am. He reveals that truth to her there. The very first, for my money, the very first I am statement. And when we truly encounter Jesus, that's when we can really, really change. That's when change happens. Now look through the rest of that chapter. Read with me 27 through 42. As he's done all of this, he's, the, the unexpected has happened. He has revealed herself, really laid her soul bare here by drawing her out. And, and speaking of drawing her out, I, I like the way he does that because it's not beating her up, but it's gentle. It's patient, it's kind. Then he says, let's get to the heart of the issue and let's really start to change because the one you're waiting for is right in front of you. The one that can change everything in your life is right in front of you. And when she hears that, what does she do? The disciples come in 27, and they're marveling. And they say, you've been speaking with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, that, that's a good point too, she left the water pot. The whole reason she went there to, was to get water, but now she has something better to take back to the men of the city and and say, something is happening. Verse 29, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. In the meanwhile, the disciples were requesting him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. The disciples, therefore, were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They are white for harvest. Jesus, again, is, is cultivating, I think, unexpected change in the disciples. He's saying, look at these people that we would ignore. 
that you would ignore these people who need me just as much as you need me. Look at this field here that you wouldn't want to walk through normally. This is just as white for harvest as any other field out there. Verse 36, already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal. That he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. And from that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I have done. Now, look at that testimony of this woman who's gone for one thing, come back with a whole another thing. Her life has changed at this point. Totally unexpected that morning to change, but totally changed. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. And after the two days he went forth there from Galilee into Galilee, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he had did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they themselves also went to the feast. His disciples come back and they find something unexpected. What are you doing talking to that woman? Why, why would you want to talk to that woman? That's weird. Okay. Here's something to eat. Nobody else fed him, did they? Totally unexpected. Everything that is happening here is unexpected. And he opens up their eyes to this field that they would probably pass over. These people need me just as much. The I am is needed here in Samaria as much as I'm needed in Galilee, Judea, anywhere else. She goes to town. She tells the men, and they believe. And he stays for two more days and more believe. This, this change, the ultimate ending of this change that starts off unexpectedly, that goes to, I'm going to reveal you to you, and I'm going to lead you gently there. I'm going to draw you out. Then I'm going to get to the heart of the matter, and the heart of the matter is that you need me. The end result of that change is that she goes and does something with that change. You tend to want to tell somebody about it when you've received something good, don't you? We brag about presents. We brag about what we got for our birthdays or what we get for Christmas. And those are great gifts. But what's an even better gift is the gift of eternal life. Being saved by Jesus Christ, that's the best gift of all. This woman says, I want you all to come see this man. I want you all to figure out what, what it is you need. He told me everything I did. Then they probably knew a lot about what she did. And the guts on that woman, of that woman to go and say, I want you to come see this man. I've been changed. I want you to be changed. You tend to want to tell people about it when you've been changed. So this is, I think, the heart of the matter here is this, this change. You meet this person that is a social outcast, and you change her world totally to where she is now an evangelist for Jesus, going out there telling people, you need to come see him. You need to come hear this man, this man who is the I Am. The most important thing we need to remember about this encounter with Jesus is that when we truly know him, and he's done the work, and he's continuing to do work in our own hearts that we can't possibly keep it to ourselves. We shouldn't be able to say nothing about him during our day. 
We shouldn't be able to walk around and, and not have Jesus come out in some way, shape, or form. That's just totally, totally wrong for people who are being changed by him and have been changed by him. We can't keep it to ourselves. We need to be compelled by the love that he showed us to show others that same love. This love that changes the world. A true encounter with Jesus will take us from one place to another. And then I'm not going to be just satisfied with that because I want you to come too. I want you to see that change. I want you to feel that change. I want you to meet the man who changed my life. Change can happen when we meet Jesus. And I think change only happens when we meet Jesus. When we meet him at the foot of that cross. And we find out who we really are. And he reveals us to ourselves. And he says, the heart of the issue here is you need me. I'm the only one that can help you. When we understand that. And we accept that message that he's died for our sins. That he asks us to join him in that death and be buried with him through baptism into, into that watery grave. To have those sins washed away, cut clean, have our hearts circumcised, all of that cut away. To rise up to that new life with him. There's no way that we can keep that to ourselves. This week we have to be agents of change. We've been changed and we continually are being changed by him. Being molded and shaped and and transformed into a more and more like his son. We have to be agents of change out there. And show people who changed us. Take them on that same journey and, and ask them similar questions. And help them see this man that she saw that day. That the disciples saw that day. That many in that town saw that day. Change can happen when we meet Jesus. It comes in unexpected ways. But we have to be open to the questions that he's going to ask us. And not only do we have to be open to the questions he's going to ask us, but we have to be open to what he shows us about us. It's similar to what James says in James chapter 1 when he's, when he's talking about don't, don't be angry. You know, anger doesn't, doesn't achieve anything. And I think in that context, he's really talking about when God's word says this is this. You Don't be angry about that. This is God saying, saying this, is, this is good for you. I want you to agree with me that this is good for you. That I'm good for you. We have to be open to that. We have to be open to what he shows us. We have to meet him at the very heart of the issue. And when we're done meeting him at the heart of the issue, we need to continue to be changed and show people the man who changed us. That's what change is for me. And I see that in John chapter 4. I see that change in this woman. And I hopefully see that change in me. Being changed and being asked the same questions every day. Meeting Jesus in unexpected ways every day. Maybe you've met him in unexpected ways this week. You might have some unexpected encounters with him this week. So expect the unexpected, I guess. If you can expect the unexpected. But expect to encounter Jesus this week. Be open to him. Be ready to answer the questions. Be ready to see a, take a good look at yourself. And then don't just stop there. Show others this man who changes your life. And show, show them the life that they can have through him. Be open to that change this week as we stand and as we sing.